Welcome to the Greg Bennett Show presented by Any Question. I'm your host, Greg Bennett, and I've just finished an absolutely delightful conversation with my lovely wife, Laura Bennett. We discuss what it felt like to just be inducted into the USA Triathlon Hall of Fame and and, and just how special that was to share with her family. And uh, for everybody that's sort of gone through the journey with her, um, it's not just about Laura, it's about so, so many more. We decide to sort of dissect her career a little bit, looking at the highest moments and then looking from the lows and what did she learn from those moments and just some really fun stories in this one. Um, we also talk about her most embarrassing moment in the sport of triathlon, which is really a story you've got, you, you, you got to listen to. It's one of the all-time greats. We have a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it as much as we do. And remember, you can find Laura on any question if you go to anyquestion.com forward slash Laura Bennett. You can find her there. You can ask a question. She's already answered a bunch, but I'm sure after listening to this one, you'll have some follow-up questions, whether you're raising teenage kids or you've got questions about nutrition or you know just what it was like to try and become a, a professional triathlete. Laura's very insightful and been incredibly helpful for my own career. Um, so somebody that I encourage you to lean on and, and learn from. She really is fantastic. I hope you enjoy this one as much as I did. And remember, success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. All right. One of the joys of hosting this podcast is that I get to celebrate just remarkable people's incredible journeys. And today I'm joined by the most recent USA Triathlon Hall of Fame inductee, my lovely wife, mother of my two children, our two children, I should say, Olympian and former professional triathlete, Laura Bennett. Laura is a four-time world championship medalist, four-time US national champion and multiple US Olympic triathlete. She's an NCAA championship winning swimmer from Southern Methodist University, I believe. And she had almost 20 years at the top of the sport of triathlon as a professional. She spent a little bit of time as the world's number one and in 2003 just narrowly missed winning the World Series title that year. But it's just so wonderful to have you join me again, Laura, especially after this uh, incredible honour of uh, being inducted into the USAT Hall of Fame. That's pretty cool. So welcome and thanks for joining me on the Greg Bennett Show, Laura Bennett. How are you? Hey, Greg. Very good. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's great to be here. We're actually doing this out of our, our little apartment, a 1,200-square-foot apartment we're in right now until we move into our, our new little home. So we could have a two- and a four-year-old interrupt us at any time, but we'll, 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 do, we'll do the best we can. <laughs> this could be split into many micro-podcasts, but we did, you know, personally, I really did want to um, take this opportunity to celebrate, you know, something that's pretty cool. You're not like me where you love pats on the back. Um, you tend to be very much uh, intrinsically motivated, which is wonderful. Um, and I'd be lying to say that I don't enjoy the pats on the back. But tell me, you know, when you first heard that you were getting inducted, what, what was that feeling like? Yeah, actually, it felt really special. I think, like you said, I really feel to some degree driven on the inside and just wanting to see what I could do in the sport. And it's always nice. I mean, you go, my goal has always been to do well at world championships, the highest stage where the best athletes are. And so I think you still want the recognition when you've done well against the best mm. in the world. But at the same time, um, I think it's, you know, it's pretty neat to 
to have the recognition from, you know, USA triathlon, so many great athletes have gone through the U S and I think they're probably my greatest drivers to some degree because, you know, being the best in your country and then taking on the world, um, well, you got to make those teams first mm-hmm. and then you can take on the world when it comes to Olympics. Um, has They've been a great motivator. And so, you know, they've been very challenging in the past. In my, mm. in my history, we had a lot of U.S. women come through and they've been fantastic. So, yeah, I think having that recognition and my dad and brothers got me into the sport and mm. just hearing, you know, when I told my dad and my mom, you know, that I was inducted into the hall of fame. They were really proud and it was really sweet. And I think for, for my dad being addicted to the sport, you know, I think he really appreciated that and him always being such a good supporter and my mom being such a good supporter. It's, um, I don't know, in some ways, a little bit of a way to give back and say, you know, we've done well. You can't choke up so early in the show, Laura, but it is super sweet. And and the reason I did want to lean into that early is because I feel like this was, you know, you've done so much in your career, but to have this little bit of recognition, it was, it's the first time yeah. I've really seen you go, oh, I, I, and it wasn't, yeah, I guess you're making a good point there. It wasn't about you. It was about your family and it was about everybody else that had been a part of that journey, right? Yeah, exactly. I think... Yeah, I think it's more the, yeah, just having that. And, you know, at the end of your career, you're always driving for wanting more in the sport. And, oh, did I make the right decision to maybe not go longer? Or, Mm. you know, did I stay too long in short course? But I always went after what I really enjoyed doing. And I think that in some ways created more success for me because I, I was completely focused on what I wanted to be doing. And then also staying with the sport longer and, staying hmm. focused on on becoming everything I could be in the sport. Well, well, when you think about the names that you've joined in USA Triathlon uh, Hall of Fame, um, people like Karen Smyers yeah. who really led the way there early for you personally. I know yeah. that Karen was a, a very big deal, but, you know, our other friends, you know, Dave Scott, Mark Allen, um, people like Scott Tinley and Scott Molina and um, – and then, you know, Sheila Tormino, who, you know, um, you battled against for, for, you know, a better part of a decade and, and you guys are close friends. People like Bob Babbitt. I mean, there's just, there's such a, you know, when I go through that list of names, for me, that is the world of triathlon. And when you get to put mm-hmm. your name next to that and realize that, hey, I'm, this is kind of a cool little group to be represented with. Absolutely. No, I really feel privileged and and very grateful to USA Triathlon for, I don't know, providing the background of the sport to be able to experience, you know, life's lessons through it and meeting all these great people who have driven themselves to great success mm. and, um, yeah, standing up next to him and saying, yeah, we all, we all really threw our hats, hats in the ring and yeah. went for it here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what I love about what we're doing today is that we're a few days out from the actual uh, Hall of Fame induction, indoctrination, is that the word? Uh, <laughs> next Thursday, and we're on a, a Saturday here. This episode will come out a few days after it. Yeah. You're getting ready. They've given you a two to five minute speech to do. <laughs> <laughs> what is scarier, standing on the Olympic Games start line or preparing to do a small speech Absolute, to accept it? <laughs> for me, the speech by far. <laughs> I, I, I guess in the sense that, you know, you, wanna, you want to... Um, 
say thank you to everyone and you want to make sure, and I would love to, you know, throw out a two to five minute inspiring speech and have people walk away with something um, from that. But definitely that's far more scary than standing on the starting line. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to screw this up, but I think this is what I heard once that when, when people ask what are they afraid of most, public speaking was first and death was second. <laughs> There's no repercussion to death (laughs) for you, for others, yes, but for you. I think it's the fear of repercussions because there's no real repercussions for public speaking either, but it's it's funny. That's true. It's all what you make it, Yeah, But, well, I'll I'll do my best. We'll we'll, we'll see if we can coach each other through because I actually get to introduce you. I know. That's pretty Um, special. I don't want to screw that up. The person knows me the best in the sport, I (laughs) I really appreciate the fact that we can do that. Yeah, that's kind of awesome. I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to that. But in in today's episode, what I really wanted to do was firstly, recap your journey. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know we did that previously in a podcast about 18 months ago. The most recent podcast you did with me, we we really just discussed the sport and then the 100 episodes Mm -hmm. of this podcast and and that kind of thing. But this one, I do want to bring it back to you a little bit more. I want to sort of talk about um, the highs and lows of your career and really what you learned from those experiences. And then I figure we could go into some areas like opinions and hypotheticals and some rapid fire questions to finish. But let's rewind this clock again, um, which we did quite a while ago. And if mm-hmm. people haven't listened to Laura's episodes, they should go back into the library and go check them out because they are fantastic and there's a lot of learning there. But you mentioned your dad and your brothers. Yeah. To take us through like, you know, the, the journey of finding this, finding sport, I guess, first, and then finding the sport of triathlon. Yeah, I think finding sport, I think it's just within you. I was always active as a kid. If it was running and jumping in a pool and then running and jumping in the, in the, you know, off the dock at the back of the, Mm. of the house. Um, I always remember being super active and, you know, most of my friends around me were boys, but was it just because they were boys or because they were outside playing, you know, I don't Mm. know which is which. So yeah, we grew up playing backyard football and soccer, whatever. And so I think all of sport just is what I love to do. And then specifically getting into triathlon, for sure, it was the product of my dad being a runner his whole life and my two brothers as well being runners. And then they went to university and found triathlon and brought Mm. it back to my dad who had never swum and he was about 40. And he thought, oh my gosh, this is great. And you know, we used to do fun runs as kids and I would always, you know, beg my dad to wake me up and go (laughs) to go do those. And yeah, so that kind of led into doing triathlons when I was about 10 and then 12, probably for the little bit bigger distances and a little bit about Iron Kids Mm. program, which with my friends next door and the friends around me, we did a few of those together. And so Really, it was, you know, those guys introducing us and then my dad's passion for it and my brother's passions for it. You know, my brother John was um, national champion, age group national champion one year, which is a pretty high feat for, Mm. you know, the age group, his, you know, what is it, 30 to 30 four or 20, I don't know. Whatever it was, it it was 20 plus years ago. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) So anyway, those guys got me into it. And, um, I, you know, running and swimming through high school down, you know, of course in the U S you're always so focused on getting a scholarship to university. And so I always was training with a lot of intent in my life to, whether it be for 
the planted seed of ever making an Olympic team, which my swim coach here, Coach Cavanaugh, actually planted when I was about 12. And I, I had no idea about the Olympics before that. I don't <laughs> know why. I just don't think our my parents watched it or whatever. That planted the seed. And then I got really into swimming about that age, but still doing all sports mm. still. Um, but, you know, there's club sports. So it kind of consumes you a little bit more than than usual, waking up at five, doing double swims a day. And um, that's always happening. And then you're doing your basketball or your soccer or your running. And yeah, that kind of was good background for doing triathlon as a youngster and then as a junior and then moving into um, collegiate sports. I went from getting possible scholarships as a runner and I decided I would just do swimming because it seemed like there was a much shorter lifespan that would is what I saw with the swimmers that were on the swim team above me, mm. um, that they didn't swim for more than four years if they made it all through the college years. But I think I had an advantage because I started swimming more when I was 12 as opposed to five. Mm. And I always stayed on the team that was, we had this coach Dykert that basically we would do the same thing every day. And it was my, a buddy of mine who was kind of the same as me. He had quite a bit of talent and didn't want to take himself to the next level at that time. He ended up swimming for university of Texas, which was a really good school too. But the two of us just kind of had our own path of just pushing ourselves. We already had the drive and the next team up was a lot more. The coach was telling him what to do. It was a lot more work. And for he and I, we did really well on just, we made junior nationals off of just swimming, you know, mm. just having fun with my buddies and just turning up, just turning up. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had our own focus and intent to do well. We challenged ourselves every day, but we didn't have to have somebody else looking over us and mm. demanding a certain amount of yardage every day. Mm. And I think that really fostered a lot more lifespan out of my athletic performances in the long term. It gave me a gave me a life in triathlon more than I probably would have had. Mm. But that led me into exploring swimming as my college sport. And so I didn't have any scholarship opportunities going into swim with swimming in college. So I walked on at SMU, which was a small college, but a lot of Europeans were there because we recruited a lot of talent. Most of them had been on their Olympic teams in the past. <laughs> so it was a really cool experience to have more mature athletes on the team because they were from Europe. They mm. seemed a little more mature and they'd actually been to Olympics and things like that. But also just that those different cultures was really fun. And so it was interesting because it kind of led into getting into triathlon after that and creating all of these relationships around the world with triathlon, with all of these Europeans and everyone. So we could go to any country probably now mm. and, and stay the night with a friend that we raced against and fiercely competitive on, on track, but definitely friends off and respected, you know, off the track. So, mm. yeah. So I think that's pretty much the progression into triathlon in a probably told in a different story. <laughs> no, no, I, I love that. You know what, you know what I love about that is, um, you know, if you've listened to this show, you, you've heard me sort of say, and it's stealing from the hints of, my, of if, yeah. you know, do you know what you want? Do you know who you do are? Do you know who you are? And are you in control of your own life? And, yeah. and that final part, uh, are you in control of your own life? To have that awareness when you were a teenager in yeah. the swimming you know, yeah. there's a great maturity there that I certainly wasn't. That. <laughs> I like to be told what to do. And I mean, that's yeah. not true. I mean, I like, no, I don't like to be told what to do, but I, it was like, I don't know that I had quite the ownership that you did yeah. and, and knew what you wanted. If you were to talk to a teenager now or parents of a teenager now, mm -hmm. 
knowing what you know and the experiences you had, um, what advice would you kind of give them in the sense of those, you know, like you said, you, you had one coach when you were 12 tell you that something about the Olympics, whether, yeah, yeah. you know, and you're like, oh, but is there any advice you could give to parents that are listening for sure or, or teenagers are listening yeah. about that? Because it's a tricky time to get right, to, to find it a is. passion and then find consistency and breakthrough into your 20s, you know, and, and college years and beyond. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I kind of feel like if you don't have that from within, that, that drive and that want to be there, mm. you know, you see a lot of times the parents want that for the child, but the child doesn't ever recognize that they did want it or didn't want it. And, you know, maybe they're just so used to doing what they're told that they never question it, you mm. know, and it, that takes them a certain level, takes them to a certain level and a certain level of experiences. And not that that's all bad either. And it's fun, something that I think about constantly because we're, we're raising two kids <laughs> yeah. and I would love for them to be athletic and, and take it on like we did, but who knows, you know, like even though they've got our genetics doesn't mean that they want to, you know, to drive themselves. And um, it's, I think it's a tricky situation where you almost foster the environment exposure and, you know, mm. that's what I think of anyway, bring the exposure there. And that's through example or just introduction to these areas, mm. like introduce them to all the sports and introduce them and show them that you're active and, mm. and that kind of thing. And then, you know, be there mm. to always be supportive. And, you know, when they kind of trying to make a decision on, I got smashed today in the pool. I'm going to give up. No, that's pretty much part of the process. You know, mm. like kind of taking the steps together through the hard times and knowing that if, and encouraging the situation of if it's a passion of yours, then that's part of the process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you continue on that road. So, yeah. yeah it's a roller coaster. Okay, so put you on this spot now, being that you're the mother of our two children. <laughs> <laughs> And, and say they find a sport, what sport would you hope that they found? Would you want them to be triathletes or would you, do you care? Or is there any I, sports out there that you actually come from it from an angle of, as a parent watching? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because I have already thought about that. And <laughs> swimming <laughs> is one of those that I'm like, oh, I don't want to go sit at swim meets every weekend for, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. for the next 15 years or whatever. So swimming is one that I would not encourage as strongly, no. Yeah. But I do think um, triathlon is an amazing sport for mm -hmm. girls or boys or men or women. And it, it provided us such great cultural experiences, mm -hmm. balance of lifestyle. I mean, even the balance within the three sports teaches you the balance of lifestyle. And yeah, I think it's, it's just such an all-around great sport, um, I think, with adding those factors in that I think you, like I've said in the past, you, I learned life lessons through the sport of triathlon mm -hmm. and there's on many different levels. That is true. And so I think that would be great, but who knows if oh, look, they're, they're that interested yeah. in it. <laughs> and you know, financially it's a great place to come to yeah. as an athlete, yeah. you know, I think as far as women are concerned and then the men do really well as well. And yeah. yeah. yeah so who knows? We'll see. Yeah, yeah. But it Look, would be fun to do something different for us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we we love the sport of triathlon. Absolutely. And, uh, I I think it's a comfortable area for us, obviously, because we've mm -hmm. spent thirty five plus years in this world. But 
and and a bit to what you were saying. I don't really care. It's their their life, their journey. Of course. But um, it is one where you think about well, what if they picked a sport? I like tennis. It's a hypothetical. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I have tennis and triathlon as my yeah, big two. Um, I, I think uh, anyway. I, we can we can move on from that, but, but I'm always wondering. I wonder, and, and then you wonder the temperament, and do they have what it takes? And yeah, well, you think you about know. why you were came into the certain sports that you did, yeah. and it is often exposure from your parents or what they were your doing mates or, or whatever your, yeah, friends. your friends. So yeah, yeah, just kind of keep keep that in. Well, it's like I've said on this show. Probably the reason I got into the sport. Well, firstly, my friends introduced me to it, but then it was like getting those pats on the back early, <laughs> you know, when you're 15, 16, it was a big deal. It was nice mm-hmm. to have that during those sort of difficult teenage years to go, oh, I am okay at something. Yeah. And the school I went to was all rugby and rowing. And so you had to be yeah. six foot at the age of 15 and built like a, you know, monster. And, and that you wasn't me. You were like me. 80 pounds. And, and I <laughs> was one of the smallest guys. I remember going down to the boat shed and, uh, you know, I wanted to row like my older brother and they made me a coxswain. I was like, what? <laughs> Hang on, what? Wait, I don't have any oars back here. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> yeah, what? I'm just sitting here, you guys. The boat's not moving. Is this moving. seat even supposed to be here? What's going on? Oh, I know, I know. But, you know, it's funny. As much as that was a not a good experience, it really got me fired up Yeah. to be better runner, to do something like... Yeah. I remember training with the rowers and they used to have a 5K run that I have to do. And that was the most exciting part of the week because I could outrun everybody. Nice. I mean, forget the fact that they're all exhausted from rowing. Yeah. <laughs> Irrelevant. They're bigger. They're bigger. <laughs> <laughs> they should be stronger. Yeah, yeah. So, so when you came into the sport of triathlon, you left college. Was that an immediate? Did you work at all in between, or you just no, finished college? No, I think and I had a, a really quick little job with USA Triathlon, but that was it. I went straight from straight from out, out of college. Tim Yant reached out to us. Oh, he's uh, what's his role at USA I Triathlon? I think he's the COO. COO. Tim Young, big, so. big shout mm-hmm. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I really appreciated him reaching out and saying, you know, we've got this collegiate program going on that you kind of roll right out of What year was that? College. That was, that was 97, end yeah. of 97. So going right before so, the 2000 Olympics, yeah. yeah. First, first time triathlon was going to be in the Olympics, yeah, first mm-hmm. time. So, yeah, it kind of rolled us right in, moved out to Colorado Springs and stayed at the training center and kind of went from there, like basically the first year was age group. We came over to Perth and did age group nationals there and as an age grouper and then got my pro card, I guess, there. I was second, mm. I believe. And then, yeah, went right into the pro circuit in 98. You got second at age group worlds, did you? I'm pretty sure I did. Oh, who beat you? Um, I don't remember. I don't remember. It was, I don't know if it was Becky Lavelle, but oh. if not, there was another girl that was... Was that under 20, 20 to 24? 20 to 24. Oh, there you go. See, I'm learning something about you all the yeah. I knew you'd gone to it. I didn't realize you got second. Yeah. I'm going to look that up. I'm gonna, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you should because my memory is not, <laughs> it's not great, but I thought I could. Anyway. Um, yeah. So let's see. So yeah, basically just, and that just went from there. And then basically we pay, went into to 2000 trials and mm. then came down to Australia in 98 because that's where the world's best was. And I thought if I'm doing this, I might as well go with the best are racing mm. and you guys had that sprint series down there and jumped on board and had a great time and definitely jumped another level by yeah. racing all year round and then that ended that season in 98 ended me with I think second at Noosa mm. which was a world cup then 
Yeah, which is which today was, we would call a world's triathlon series yeah, race. But exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, and then I was on my way and um, Keely Jones invited me down. Um, what year was that? That was that year maybe? Yeah. 98, 99? Yeah. Down, so we were down in Ginelli for a while and I really appreciated her doing that because I um, kind of got out of the environment that I was in. I felt like a little stagnant and it kind of yeah. really helped shake it up a bit and redefine exactly what I wanted to be doing. And, you know, I came down and did the World Series and or the series with the um, Grand Prix, the Grand Prix with mm. the Australians, and met a lot of you guys then, but we didn't really know each other back then. And then, um, yeah, just kind of understood. Okay, this is the level we're going to go to, and yeah. this is it's a it's a full time job here, and you know we're living in Australia half the year, and we're living in the U.S. half the year, or following the racing essentially. Mm. You know, you're living out of a bag, and sounds good. Yeah, you embrace that more so than probably. M- more than most of the American athletes, I think, yeah. especially at the time, maybe it's different now, but I always, as an Australian, you know, we always had, you know, you'd be in Australia for the three to six months or whatever, and we'd have our racing there. So we were very spoiled, mm-hmm. but then we would go to Europe and you'd be away for six to nine months or whatever. And it was just normal. And mm-hmm. I always used to hear sort of the American, athlete, oh, you know, I'm not going to be home. I was like, home's not where I want to be. Yeah. I don't want to be home. I don't want the comforts of home. I want to be here and I want to be racing. And, and the other thing that you touched on and, uh, you know, any young athlete that sort of says, you know, Greg, how can I be better? You know, mm-hmm. a young professional triathlete or whatever. And the first thing I say is race yeah. and race often mm-hmm. because even a bad race is better than a great training day. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I'll probably have every physiologist calling me after this, but honestly... Mm-hmm you get so much out of these, these just testing yourself. Yeah. And there's so much learning from every time you put yourself on a start Mm -hmm. line. Now I'm not advocating racing every Saturday, Sunday for, you know, 50 weeks of the year, but definitely load up your calendar with a lot of potential races and and use them to better your craft. Um, So especially when you're younger, you know, to kind of get an idea of, okay, what am I still missing? But you still, you can still build them. You can still build to race, you know, Mm. and have it, racing with intent and training with intent, but definitely don't be scared of racing. No. If you love training more than racing, you might want to reevaluate. Or go to Ironman. Oh, did I say that? (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot more training involved. It's a lot more training. It it is true though. It is true. If you love to train more and you love to be, and you don't love to race, then going longer is probably better because you can't race as much. Yeah. Um, Yeah, exactly. You and I were racers. We, we, yeah. We, we couldn't well, I guess for- we didn't have the patience they had no. in, tri- in, in Iron Man. No. That's amazing patience to no. be out there and to be able to entertain yourself as long as they yeah, do. And yeah, well, a lot of our friends that were impressive. professional Ironman athletes, the day they retired, they kept their training the same. They yeah. just And, yeah. and you and I kept retired going. and were like, eh. No, I'll do my stair stepper <laughs> yeah, 20 minutes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little so, bit of gym. So when we, look, when we look back at your career then from 97 to 2016, so, you know, it's a 20-year wow. career. Um, greatest highs, you know, what are, what are some of the greatest highs that quickly come to mind um, um, during that time? I would definitely say 2003 World Championships, getting second there. Where was that at? That was in... Um, oh, Queenstown. Was, oh, Queenstown. That's yep, right. Queenstown. Yeah. yeah. With um, Emma one and then McKeely and I having a sprint finish. Yeah, that's and right. And like I've mentioned before, I, when I was a junior in Manchester in 93, I'd seen... Keely and um, Karen Smyers have a sprint finish. And I thought, wow, that'd be so great. 
because that mm. was how I was winning a lot of my track um, in mm. high school was mm. in a sprint finish. And I love that feeling of kind of sprinting into the finish well, line. Well, you've got a decent kick. That's always nice yeah. when yeah. you've got a decent kick. <laughs> that helps. It's not much fun if somebody's out sprinting you. <laughs> no, it's great. <laughs> but sport of triathlon, and definitely in our distance, often is a lot of threshold. So I never even get to use that sprint yeah, yeah. because you've strung me out too hard. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so definitely that was pretty special to have that sprint finish with McKeeley. Um, that'll definitely, I can tell the story and get goosebumps just thinking about yeah. it. And I think my next is probably winning high V. I think just having... 2007. T- 2007, winning mm. high V. Things so high V was the big World Cup, big prize money uh, event in June of, of June, yeah, June of 2007. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody it, wanted to win it because it was such a huge, it was a million dollar prize purse and everything else, yeah. Yeah, when that came on the roster, we thought, oh, there's nothing more important than that year. Like if we, why not go for the biggest prize money purse? Well, you've always said it takes as much energy to win a, you know, $250,000 race as it does a $2,500 race. You might as well. Exactly. (laughs) You're hurting either way. You might as well be efficient about it. And then you can race a couple extra years on that income, you know? And so I think that's where we focused that year. That year was a big year for us to Mm. make, we made big plans for that. And it was really special to kind of hit a lot of those, a lot of those markers. So that was one of the ones in that year that um, was really great. And then I think just on a whole, of course, making 2008 Olympics was very special. I think missing it in 04, a second alternate in 2000. I don't think I was really in the mix at that time of my mm. career, but 2004, I definitely was. And well, you hang on, you were, yeah, 2004, you were ranked number two in the world and yeah. uh, you'd finished second in the World Series the year before by six points. And it was like 1,020 to a, yeah, 1,014 it was crazy. to Emma Snowsill, who won the world, world, world Triathlon Series that year. So you finished second in the World And then you go to Madeira World Champs at the start of um, 2004. You mm-hmm. podium again. You, yes. get a, you get a third place after your second place the year before. And that's still not enough to make the, the team. No. So I had to beat the whole world to make a select few to yeah. go to the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So brutal, but yes. Missed out. Long, was, long story short, missed out. Missed yeah. out, missed mm. out, exactly. But again, kind of motivated me to just keep plugging. I was very, I didn't, doing, you know, making a couple world championships. At one point I thought, you know, every time I have a world championships, I want to try and get on that podium. Mm. Like I want to be the best in the world when the world is there. And mm. so world champs was always very important to me. And I just felt like our pinnacle of our sport was Olympics, you know, it kind of peaked at that. And so I thought, you know, I don't want to get out of this sport without having made it a games at least once, you mm. know? And so that's where after 04, we kind of reevaluated you know, are we still going to do this sport? What do we want to do? And, you know, figuring out, yeah, I definitely want to go to Olympics. You'd just gone. Mm. We enjoyed a great experience with your 2004. I mean, not so much coming in injured and getting fourth, but, Mm. but part of, part of the game of the sport and maximizing yourself and having to tweak things and not always having it spot on. And so, yeah, going into, after 04 and wanting to go to 08 games, it was very much taking it on as very focused on that is the goal for the next four years period. Mm, mm. And so, you know, like coming off that fourth 2007 year into 2008, you know, having 
made worlds and had a had an unbelievable year with winning high v in 07 and then a couple of podiums as well on the world cup scene or world series scene um yeah making the olympics was really quite a special experience because I just felt like I should have been there. Mm. Like, come on, I've been there for so close <laughs> for so long. And, yeah, yeah. you know, and nobody deserves it unless you achieve it. Yeah, so yeah. I get it. But at the same time, um, it kind of was my my peak in the sport to some degree in 08. And um, yeah, and then going to the Olympics, I, I probably coming in injured wasn't helpful. Mm. I, you know, I was pressing the envelope a little too hard and, you know, that's your own fault for doing that. But I just wanted to maximize and it was a great course, but you know, all those, the, the racing had changed between 04 and 08, you know, my group of swimmers, mm, diehard swimmers who mm. just, we killed ourselves. I remember Sheila Tormino, Loretta oh. Harrop, Nikki Hackett, Barb Lindquist. Yeah. Those, yeah. Those were the yeah. big ones that yeah. really put, put pain into us. And I remember one of the times taking turns with those guys and Loretta and Nikki, I think it was the three of us at one of the races and I had to actually sprint out of the saddle to take my turn with her. <laughs> it's like, this is insane. <laughs> but anyway, we made it and I actually got to win that one. But I think just with 2008 making the team and that's a definite highlight. And of course, you know, going to the Olympics and the whole experience there, I tried mm. to take advantage in 08 of opening ceremonies and Julie Swale was on the team with me and she she had been to I think Sydney and Athens for water polo. For water polo, yeah. Yeah, I think she was captain of the U.S. water polo team, right? Did they win yeah. gold? I think she's. I think so. Yeah, sure. sorry, Julie, for not remembering, but yeah, we know you're. Total- <laughs> sorry, we don't know water water polo. Yeah, uh, gold we know you're totally but- awesome, but I couldn't remember <laughs> why. <laughs> no, and so she got us on the front line when we walked into the stadium, and it was really special to have like mm. the crowd erupt when the U.S. team came in, and we're in the front with all the other athletes behind us because she knew how to. There's a great picture of you and Julie at the front of the team walking in that I I remember seeing at... It was on the wall at the Bank of America, but I think it was on their book too. Yeah, that's right. When we got our Olympic books and I was like, oh my gosh, there we are. So cool. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So so that whole experience was definitely a highlight of my career and um, yeah. And then making 2012 was something, I mean, that was more... I don't know if you have to go to more than one Olympics <laughs> unless mm. you're meddling every single time, but as far as experience based, but if you're loving the racing and you're doing so well, that makes sense. And I think going to 2012 was, um, I just still love the racing. Mm. Probably should have gone longer between that period of time, mm. eight and 12, just to experience Ironman at a, at a higher level. But I don't know. I kind of like the shorter distance and... Well, you're 37 by 2012 too. I mean, you're, yeah. you're a little bit older and maybe mm-hmm. those really turbo gears start to just falter a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely you know. didn't prep it right. And yeah. Yeah. I kind of put life priorities in front of sport priorities probably. And so, you know, it, sh- it shows, but knowing why I why I likely didn't meet the goals I had makes it easier because you know it was a choice yeah so so you've picked some really good ones there yeah. you, you you've got you know the o3 world championships you know where you got second mm-hmm. you've got the high v 
you know, mm-hmm. that, that winning that big race in Des Moines, Iowa with the big crowds and the big money and all the yeah. fanfare. You got qualifying for the 08 Olympics and qualifying for the 2012 and then obviously the opening ceremonies and the and, whole Olympic experience. And so racing, yeah. they're, they're pretty decent highlights. I think there's a lot of young athletes that'd be happy with just one of those. Yeah. So I think, you know, no, it's, it's, it's pretty special that you got to have all of those. Quick mini break to remind you to go check out Any Question. You can find it on iOS or Android. That's Any Question, one word. You can also go to anyquestion.com forward slash Laura Bennett and go ask her any follow-up questions to this episode. Some of the bigger lows for you, were there any sort of times that, you know? Definitely, definitely not making the 04 games, I think. Mm. You know, it's... First, you know, going into Madeira and knowing the qualification and going, hang on, I'm going to have to be a world champion to make the U.S. Olympic Because Sheila Tormina from the U.S. won that world championship yeah. in 03 with Loretta Harrop in second and you, you were in third. So that, right. that dynamo, you know, dynamite swim bike group that you had and then yes. you all learnt to run as well. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you could already run, but they, yeah. they learnt to run. And, uh, and so you were pipped. Sheila took the... She, immediate spot and and she was onto the team yeah. um and so yeah that was a bit disappointing i guess yeah it's yeah. brutal to get third there and still not make so, it so yeah tell me about that feeling you know you cross the line podium yeah. at a world championship which to- is which i'm totally excited about that yeah but you also <laughs> so mixed emotions you sit down and you go hang on now i've what I'm yeah just- i'm like yeah you kind of what what's it going to take here to make an olympic team you know if that's not enough yeah you know they've I've beaten everybody else in the world except for Loretta and obviously yeah. um, Sheila, but she's on my team and and that's not enough. And yet I was ranked second in the world. Yeah. So time, you know, race after race, I've been there mm. beating the best in the world. And so it just, it's a really harsh reality of that life, you know, kind of like life's not fair. You know, so deal with it, suck it up. Yeah, so figure it out. This is a game and you need to figure out how to make it work. Yeah. You know, if you want to be on that team, figure it out. And Mm. so, you know, unfortunately, the third qualification was in Bellingham, basically a non drafting race, not really set up like how the actual race would be. And so it kind of um, it didn't suit me to try and make it there. And so, I did everything I could to get to make it there, but it didn't, it mm. didn't work out for me there. So yeah. And that's what I think really kind of motivated me and, and drove me into, okay, I thought I had, I thought I had focus. I thought I had intent. I thought I had my whole life revolving around this sport, you know, mm. and after 04, I realized, okay, we're going to have to take it up a notch. And, you know, it's kind of like we were talking about um, the hints of wheel, you mm, know, they've mm. kind of getting all the pieces of that puzzle. Yeah, so and the, 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 the circle of better life, uh, yeah. for, uh, if you want to look at hints, so that's spelled H I N T S A. Um, they've been good friends of ours, you know, yeah. and they, they work with all the formula one drivers and everybody else, but they have this core model with the yeah. circle of better life. And we already mentioned the core, yeah. you know, do you know who you are? Do you know what you want? And are you in control of your life? And then, and then you have the circle of better life. Mm-hmm. So one of them is, is sleep and recovery. Another one is nutrition. Another one is um, general health, then mental management, body work and biomechanics, 
And the sixth one, there is a sixth one and it's going to come to me in a moment. But And then we add a seventh one too where we add relationships and team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We kind of manipulated yeah, it yeah, ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Oh, tra- training, physical training yeah. is the sixth. So there yeah, we go. right. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, so basically we were, we go to bed at eight, up at five. I mean, it was... I, lo- of- I love T.O. <laughs> Tim O'Donnell says, yeah, you don't call the Bennett's after eight. Yeah. Like it's like we became known as that. You're not showing up. We're not showing up. We're already in bed, sleep. You know, we got our eye shades on, earplugs. I mean, we slept in an altitude tent well before it became trendy. I think, you know, it's all these things that um, we kind of just put first. Recovery, I mean, massage got to the point where it just wasn't, it's not enjoyable anymore. It's work. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're well, on Marcus Mejias was over every mm-hmm. afternoon. Um, he was amazing. Th- three o'clock. So our training had to be wrapped up by three. Anybody that's had a massage from him knows how amazing yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so that was He's a my, legend. At least five days a week, wasn't it, with Marcus? Yeah. And, uh, we had found Alex Keith down here, chiropractor. Yeah, that Dr. Just Alex Keith, our chiropractor. Would do anything for us. We got him on the Olympic team finally. Yeah kind of mixed feelings on that because I had to share him (laughs) (laughs) with the people that I had to, you know, race the hardest to to beat, but, um, it's all worth it. And it was great to have him be a part of our journey to that next level and definitely grateful for everything he did. Building our team. Yeah. We had a lot of great people. Joe for our bike mechanic who was on the USA. He Mm -hmm. was the bike mechanic. Um, Joe, what's it? Joe's Santos. Santos. He was the yeah. best bike mechanic we ever had. Yeah. Ted, Ted Forkham. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a pretty cool team, yeah. Yeah, and Wendy, my trainer oh, in, Yes, of course, in Wendy Boulder. McClure, yeah. best strength coach. A lot of these people are on any question, by the way. So, yeah, that's um, true. We've brought a lot of our team over there. Dr. Ted Forkham, Wendy, they're all on there. Yeah. Um, we've got to get Alex on there at some point. But it really was a magical team that we managed to have around us Yeah. when we decided, like you said, take it up a notch. Yeah, you, exactly. You, like yeah. there's no stone unturned and... Yeah, it's it's full on. You need a, a a really strong team around you to to perform. You and I had a lot of complementing mm. strengths and weaknesses that we could we'll help each other with. But when you're both trying to strive at that level, you still need help with obviously all the massaging and all of that. So, and the biomechanics. But yeah, so it was really great to have that team around us for. So it's almost like that lowest low for you of you know feeling a little bit like, yeah. Eh was the best thing that could have happened to you. Yeah, and, I think, you know, yeah. that's how it works, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like yeah. you got to hit your rock bottom of going, what am I doing here? You know, is yeah. this, this can't be it for me. Like yeah. I, I want more, I want more, period. So mm. let's figure out how to make that work and make that happen. And yeah, I mean, like we said, I've, in some degrees, I've always lived with intent, but I think there's always more you can be doing. It's just, what do you want to give up for it? Yeah. And fortunately, you and I were on the same page and we're driving towards the same goals. So it helped a lot to, you know, we could help each other to stay on track. Yeah. Do you remember uh, we got married at the end of 04 when mm-hmm. we, we had our honeymoon and I think it was on our honeymoon or wherever we were and we were lying in bed. And, and I'll never forget you turning me go, oh, it was like 9 a.m., and you and I had never slept in past 4 or 5 a.m. for most of our lives. So the idea of a 9 a.m. was like... And you turned to her and I was like, yeah, I could get used to this. And it was, we both laughed because it's like, <laughs> well, obviously if we're not doing triathlon and we sleep, we got to go find a job or do something else with our lives. And, and that was part of that whole process of going, okay, if we're going to continue then, we need to really continue well, mm-hmm. you know. And by that stage, I was 32, which yeah. at, at that time in sport, 32 was kind of like, okay, 
you've had your turn, get out. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit of a discussion of should we keep going? And little did we know the best years were yeah. going to be after that, that exactly. period for both of us. So it's pretty cool when you look back at that lowest low yeah, exactly. making conscious decisions, you mm-hmm. know, and really taking ownership of it was really what it took to say, right, I want to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just miss out on Olympic teams, you know, and if you think about 07, you were the first one on to mm-hmm. that next US Olympic team. You stamped that, you know, a year in front, boom, done. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, it's a complete kind of different mindset, isn't it? It's a champion's mindset Absolutely. there. And yeah. even just going, we had world championships two weeks before that in Germany. Yeah. So going from, you know, Colorado all the way to Europe mm. and then all the way back and then going all the way over to China, it was kind of a <sighs> risk I took. I remember that. <laughs> all oh. I can say is probably age. My age was young, so you could deal with it. But I wanted, and there I got a podium. I think I was a podium in Hamburg. Yeah, um, you, third you, you got third. Vanessa with, and... Yeah, Vanessa Fernandez won it. And, and Emma. You were running with Emma Snowsill. yeah. And we had a sprint finish, but it's so funny because I wanted so bad to sprint finish her. And I thought, don't, don't just leave it because you go too high this weekend. You may not come out of it before next weekend, before. Is that emotional high or physical damage? I think the the emotional, the emotional high. I mean, in the past, you know, think about those big wins you have and it's almost like you go so high that you're almost depressed the next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you, and well, so... You, you're just flat. You're not yeah, you're depressed, flat. you're yeah, just neutral. Depressed. You're just very neutral. And yeah. You, yeah, you're almost yeah. like you've satisfied yeah. a, a yeah. need. Yeah. And so I would have, on two levels, loved to have another silver and also would have loved to have a sprint finish with Emma, who was like my nemesis in my career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind, she was often upping me or beating me, but still she definitely was always there when if her career didn't exist I would have an amazing your resume, <laughs> resume. Look, look even better that's true but anyway there's always somebody to, to yeah. fight on the field and so I think that's so that was one thing that um just taking on that challenge and I it's funny I woke up at um in China before Beijing Beijing Olympic trials and I woke up at like 2 a.m and I think I was hungry and and I wasn't in a good mind space and I think I ate something real quick and then fell back asleep. And when I woke up, you know, at six at our normal time, whatever it was, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. Let's mm. do this. Mm. And it was just like, it, it just was, I was ready. It mm. just, sometimes I just knew 2012, not so much. <laughs> yeah, I, remember. I woke up that morning, everything was off. No, yeah. Everything was off. But anyway, so just knowing the yeah, do, do you, when, you, when you look back, do you have any, any regrets on the career? Anything um, stand out where you're like, oh, maybe if, or is it? There's a period, a little bit of, you know, trying out some different training techniques maybe, mm. or possibly having had a better crack at Kona, mm. you know, or not Kona. Well, yeah, Kona, Ironman, whatever. Kona obviously is the pinnacle. So yes, Ironman and Kona. Those two little things, like there was one other kind of training technique I might've tried, but Honestly, I, I've had such a great life, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I really had a great career. I couldn't be more grateful for how it all has turned out. I found you. We had a great time together. I would have stopped had we not come together probably. I was surprised I, that wasn't your first number one career highlight. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't even think I got a mention. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. 
true. You almost fell I, off that your was chair. more life, <laughs> life highlight. No. Yeah, no, I'm teasing. No, but so, true. Okay, here, here's one. I, I'm, I'm, and if you forget this, I'm going to remind you. Okay. Um, biggest mistake you've ever made in a race? Oh, it's embarrassing. Going, the, being on a team for the French Grand Prix and flying over there. Is that the one you're thinking mm-hmm. of? Yeah. And amongst putting my stuff out into my transition area, I um, was being kind of interviewed at the same time and got distracted and came back to my spot. And I was like, okay, good. I'm ready to go. And I forgot. So I just, you know, got out, started the race. It was French Grand Prix. So it's pretty short. I Mm, think it was two two or three races. I can't remember if it was two or three and swim, bike, run, swim, bike, run. Yeah. So twice. And so basically, um, all of our team, there was probably five girls had to perform the highest they could. So it's still Mm. trying to get everybody. It was a points type points type thing. There was one girl that was kind of, um, far behind. She had flatted and we all still were kept racing and, you know, to try and get the highest points we could, because I think we'd have to make up for her Mm. loss of points. And so anyway, we come into transition and I, um, rack my bike and for the first round and look down and I'm, my shoes aren't there and my bag's not in transition. They don't keep them in transition when it's such a tight. And I thought, Oh my gosh, there's no way I've flown all the way over here from Victoria, BC to Europe, to Leon and they've flown you. They've flown me there. That's, I haven't done it myself. So I'm actually getting paid to be there and whatever. And I thought, oh, and you don't have running shoes, and I have no running shoes, and I don't think I could make five k by barefoot. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I looked down, and I remembered the girl that had flatted; her shoes were right across from me, and I thought, oh, well, she's not going to finish because yeah. I don't, th- I didn't think that you could get. Yeah. She would not make up enough time no, to no, catch no, back no. up. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll reach over and grab those and put those on. Oh my god, they fit! This is fantastic. I've solved the problem. <laughs> So I take off running. I see our team manager. And it was a lap run, wasn't it? It was, it was a, yeah, yeah, maybe a lap run. Yeah, or yeah, a maybe, couple laps. Yeah. Maybe a couple laps. And I see our team manager and I'm pointing to my feet. And um, he's like, I don't know, because I wore New Balance at the time and I was wearing Asics because mm. she, she had Asics. And, and he's like, oh, okay. So he sees that my shoes are different or whatever. So that was the best French you had, just point. Just point, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, he spoke yeah. English. Yeah. And um, and basically, I come around the transition the second time, and the girl that I had flatted comes in and goes, freaking out in the transition saying, where are my shoes? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's when I was pointing at my shoes to the manager. <laughs> I have her shoes on. <laughs> and oh, she's no. crying and oh, bawling. No. Oh, and no. I was thinking, oh, what have I done? Now you've really screwed it up. Yeah. Not a, now they've flown you over and you've destroyed somebody else's race <laughs> yes. and the team. Yes. <laughs> so needless to say, I don't think I raced for Bouvet that next year. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think I did end up ruining a race because she got a spare tire, but... I don't know. I don't remember that part. No. Yeah, well, she was so far back. Her she points was, would have been useless. At, yeah. least, at least she was still earning good points. Yeah. You know, if anything. Yeah, we did finish pretty high still, but we might've gotten beaten. But I think, I think that's. Oh, it was awful. It was horrific. I just, I felt so embarrassed. I felt so, I couldn't apologize yeah. enough. And yeah, It is what it is. I love that story. And I'm so glad. That you, <laughs> <laughs> it's like when people ask me, you know, Greg, have you got any embarrassing moments from your yeah. career? And I, I, I try and, 
I try, there's nothing really that great, yeah. but you've got a good one. Like, yeah. And, uh, so yeah. Chris McCormack, Lots of cake on the face. Yeah, Chris McCormack would always say, you know, you've got to create remember wins. Yeah. Things that you want to share 20 years later like this yeah. one. And it's like you have that story, which is I just think is an awesome one. And I don't. So I'm almost envious that I went through my career without any <laughs> stealing people's shoes or <laughs> yeah, exactly. making girls cry. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Uh, so, look, let's shift a little bit here. I want to ask you, you know, when we talk about sport and athletes in general, you know, do you believe sort of athletes are, are born or made, you know, nature versus nurture? I'm curious as to you. I kind you know, of feel like they're just born and then the level they get to, they're made. So, for example, if you don't have that, well, combinations half the time, but that drive or that passion for sport, nobody's going to tell you to become a good athlete or a great athlete. You're not getting there without your own self-belief and Mm. whatever kind of drives you. If it drives you to be wanting to be the one on the podium that everyone's like, wow, you're amazing. Or if it's drives you because you just want to see what you're capable of in the sport Mm. or yeah, I mean, it really is kind of those two things, either it's intrinsic yeah. or extrinsic. But yeah, yeah. but I do think the level that a talented person gets to is about work ethic and how you who you surround yourself with and your clarity and intent to train and race and your your big picture of where like treating it as a business. This is something mm-hmm. we're going intent is the great word that I like to use a lot because it, it really lets everything else fall into place because mm. every decision you make is in line with where you want to be. But is that in your DNA? That's probably in your DNA too. It's like I was thinking about this the other day going, okay, we always talk about what's in, you know, they born or made, athletes, yeah. they born or made. And I was kind of, well, well, we can think of physically what's in your DNA. Yeah. So yeah, you need to have that. But to become great, everyone's like, oh yeah, but you need to have discipline and work ethic. And I'm like, well, they're in your DNA. Yeah, I that, agree. So it's kind of, if you think about it, you can, like you said, you can grab it and expand upon your DNA yeah. in certain areas. Yeah, that's true. But if you're not, I almost feel like discipline and work ethic and desire and dedication yeah. and all these words we love to throw around, I still kind of feel like, are we just manifesting what's already in your DNA <laughs> and you're just yeah. exp- compounding it? That's uh, a good point. I mean, that's the thing. Like you kind of think, well, if you had four or five things that, make a great athlete, right? Mm. And think of all the athletes that you've raced against. And some you're kind of like, ooh, if they got that in line, mm. they could have been way up here, mm. but they never really got that sorted for themselves, whether it be, but that's it, whether it be the discipline or the intent or, and so maybe they never had it. And that's where they had three out of the five things needed in their DNA. Mm-hmm. And that got them to top 10 in the world every year or physically that yeah. got them to, te- you know. Yeah. So that's a good point. I don't know. That's really I don't think we'll solve the answer right no, here on this podcast, but it is one, one that I wanted to throw at you because I yeah, I kind be of enjoy that. Curious to hear other people's point of views on that. Yeah, see. yeah. All right, so here's another opinion one. As we look at the sport of triathlon, and I know you've, you know, with a, with a two and a four-year-old, been mm-hmm. a little bit removed from the sport <laughs> for five distracted. years. But this still goes back to, you know, when you were racing at your best. The Olympics, should we be looking at a sprint triathlon, 750, 25, or... 
what's been coined as the Olympic triathlon, you know, 1,540, 10 kilometres. Which one do you think they should mm. do for the Olympics? I wish I could have raced some of that short distance. I never made it. <laughs> and then I think I was sick for one of the years just to test it out because I think that would have suited me even better than the Olympic distance. But I think it depends on what level or what age group you're looking at for the Olympics. Mm. I think the younger guys are generally going to be more, better at the sprint distance. Shorter. There's less yeah, strength the short, endurance. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. And so... You know, you probably, if it goes to that level, you probably won't have a lot of the athletes that are 28 coming, never been athletes before coming into the sport, you mm. know, and they are like, oh, I found triathlon, they're great age groupers. And then all of a sudden, like we had a lot of those people that never didn't come straight out of university into the triathlon. They, you know, worked for five, six years and then were like, hey, I'm pretty good at triathlon. Yeah, yeah. And then they're making the Olympic team, you know, things like that. So I think it depends on the age group, but yeah, it's hard because, you know, you've grown up with Olympic distance. So you think that's, that is the distance of triathlon, but fast and furious and entertainment for the audience. Well, now we've got the mixed relay as well, which both you and I are like, Oh yeah. That Actually on the, cool on the mixed too. relay, I've never asked you this either. And I was just thinking about it as I was sort of thinking about this, doing this episode with you mixed relay. So it's mixed men and women. Do you think that is the best way to use that or should have we done a relay of men and a relay of women? And not to yeah. say I think all the countries can provide enough numbers. I think that's maybe why it is mixed. We can get two men, two women from have more countries Instead on the Instead of having line. three men and three, three women. Yeah, like ah, completely okay. different. What do you think about that? Yeah, they're right. Or to try to get four and four or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you probably I think never it would get be, to four and four. It would be nice to have that as well. As well. Yeah. You know, it's I mean, kind of, I love the idea of a mixed relay, but I yeah. still kind of look at it. No, well, you're always limited probably by the women, aren't you? Because mm-hmm. of their, there's their differentials or yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> Laura has to listen to me. I'm, I love math. Yeah. <laughs> and so for me, I kind of just, I always say, well, uh, generally speaking, a, a, a woman to a man's performance is about 10% different. Yeah. And so if you look at that 10%, it means that women are on the course for 10% longer. So if there's a difference between two men and the differences between men tend to be a lot closer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if you just want to talk about the 10%, that 10% rule at 30 seconds becomes 33 seconds for the women, right? So there's a compounding effect of the longer the women are out there, the more the differences make a bigger difference. So if you look at the US team or the British team, they tend to have the strongest women in the world. And so it's no surprise when you look at Tokyo Olympics, they went for second. Um, and so even though the French have, and the French are coming, the women are very strong, um, but they have, the men are outstanding, but the women are just there and scratching the surface. And as soon as those women pile, that's where I think the French will be really powerful in Paris. But it's kind of understanding that if you want to have an outstanding mixed relay team, I think Mm -hmm. you should be really leaning on, on your women and then making sure your men stay very close to the top of the world. Um, and then I think you've got your perfect formula for a mixed relay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, they do four. So you can, you'd think that you could probably pull three women and three men from every country. Couldn't you? Oh just, no, that's true. Cause most of them only bring two. Yeah. I think it gets a little bit more difficult, but look, 
it'd be nice to get triathlon and have more medals. Yeah. You know, I, I'm us. good friends with uh, Brett Hawke, you know, yeah. and he's, he's, he's got his own podcast inside with Brett Hawke and he now works with us at, at any question. And, um, you know, the swimming channel on any question, we have like 70 wow. plus swimmers and nearly all of them are at least an Olympic medalist and n- n- so many of them are gold medalists, right? And in triathlon, you kind of look and go, well, hang on, we've only had the chance to get the one gold medal for men yeah. and women. And, you know, Tokyo was the first, you know, we got to have a mixed relay, which mm-hmm. was awesome. Very cool. But we don't get many medals. Um, but also then I look at swimming compared to triathlon, I go, well, hang on, but we're more of a professional sport. We True. get the Konas of the world, the 70.3s, the WTS series, you know, mm-hmm. Macus Super League, the ability to be professionals and have yeah. sponsorships in the swimming, bike and run categories. And we get like we in terms of we're not swimmers, we're more like tennis players yeah. where the Olympics come around and they're nice to have, mm-hmm. but we also have all the years in between where we can have yeah, Amazing. exploiting your talent. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we might say, oh, the swimmers get all the medals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we get all the in-between years as well. So That's kinda, true. Yeah. That's very true. I know. Anyway, this has been really fantastic. Hey, do you want yeah. I know I've, I've skipped over quite a few opinions and hypotheticals, but I want to finish off with some um, rapid fire. You ready? Fast okay. twitch fibers. <laughs> we won't do too many. Hopefully they're fast still. <laughs> I don't feel very fast. Best and worst subject at school. Oh, Good question. Sport? (laughs) (laughs) You were into finance, weren't you? No, you're not really math. No. I actually really preferred like anatomy and physiology, that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Body sciences. Body sciences. All right. What are you currently watching on Netflix when you're on the stair stepper in the morning? (laughs) I'm currently watching, well, I was watching Drive to Survive. Yeah. How many series of that are there now? I think four. Which, okay. So which I'm, I actually did really enjoy. I'm missing a couple of those. I think yeah. I've only watched three maybe. I did really enjoy that. I mean, it makes you go harder on the stair stepper when they are really driving crazy. Yeah. So uh, uh, that series has made Formula One in, in the US it makes just sense. take off. I mean, we watch it largely because we've got friends in there. Dr. Luke Bennett, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's uh, worked he's with all the- He's been on here before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's been on this show. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. It is a great series. But what are you watching right now? Reacher. It's Reacher. called Reacher, Jack Reacher. I don't know. Okay. It's and enough. It's entertaining distraction. enough. Distraction. It's distraction while the stair-stepping, which I should have been doing my whole career, it actually is amazing for the glutes. Mm. I don't know. For me, it was anyway. Um, I know. I see. I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. your swimsuit. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First car you owned? Cherokee Laredo. Oh, nice. Mm. Uh, that's a Jeep. Jeep right? Cherokee yeah. Laredo. All right. Yeah. Uh, two most used apps. On your iPhone or phone, I should be promoting. Any question? No, really. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't get on there much, but if I'm going to go to anything like something that would be social media, yes, it would be any question. It doesn't have to be social media. Oh, yeah. Well, then probably texting and (laughs) yeah. So text and probably vitamin D, the D minder, figure out how much D I'm getting in a day That's when true. I go out in the sun with the kids. Nice. It's I all like about that. protecting the kids. D minder. All right. What time of day are you most productive? Mm, probably that four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Four to five. I'd agree. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> first job, kind of nonsense question for you, isn't it? Yeah. Um, triathlon, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, you did have a job, you said briefly at USA yeah, Triathlon. Yeah. That was like a little blip on the all right. I would say triathlon. Number one pet peeve. Having to repeat myself. So being a mum is. 
<laughs> having telling people what to do and repeat myself. So I'm really handling being a mom. <laughs> it's really teaching me to not have a pet peeve. Which decade of music is best? Oh, 80s for sure. Best after party and triathlon? Probably, I can see where I was. It was in New Zealand. New Plymouth. New Plymouth. That was the word I was like. That was a big one. That was a big one. Those of you that were there remember how fun it was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been awesome. Yeah, thanks Um, for having me. And congrats again on um, Hall of Fame. That's pretty cool. USA Triathlon Hall of Fame. Um, For everyone listening, they can find you on any question. They can send you questions, whether it's about your triathlon career or whether it's about parenting or whether it's about. Yeah. Any, I feel like know. I know more about parenting nowadays, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, or nutrition, really. or I mean, yeah, you know, a lot of nutrition. You're a great stuff sounding you know. board for all of that, but um, people can find you anyquestion.com forward slash Laura Bennett. All right, yeah. Laura, what's next for you then? Um, We've got a movie day with the kids today, feeding the kids lunch and having movie day <laughs> and <laughs> cleaning the house. <laughs> it's all good though, it's uh, a nice life. Well, this truly has been. Fantastic. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you so much. Everybody, thank you for listening. Um, the show is growing and I couldn't do it without you. You can find all the show notes, timestamps, links, and everything else at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. All right, Laura. All right, thanks, awesome. Cheers. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode, so subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.